Welcome to this message from City Bible Church in Portland, Oregon. City Bible Church is a vibrant community of people with one common desire to experience God, enjoy people, and celebrate life. Pastor Frank gave me an assignment on the No series. How many of you were here last week for the No series? Just say no to the devil. Come on. And uh, he wants me to minister on no worry. On no worry. And how many know worry is quite an effective device of the devil? It says we're not just supposed to be ignorant of Satan's devices. Worry is one of his big ones. Can I hear an amen? It's true. We all struggle with this. And I, I got to confess, confession's good for the soul. They say it's essential, actually. I, I want to confess, actually, this week I've been worrying about preaching about no worrying. <laughs> Honestly. Lord, we just thank you right now for the Word of God. We thank you for the Spirit of God. We thank you for the family of the living God. And we come right now, and I pray you'd ask, help me right now. Just preach, teach, impart, pray, whatever, by your Spirit, that we would come to a place of no worry, and we come to a place of perfect peace and faith. God, we ask right now that you come and quicken our minds, make us spiritually alert to receive so that we can just say no to worry and no to giving any ground to the devil. And everybody said, amen. Couldn't help but think about Australia. You don't have to worry about the world coming in end today because it's already tomorrow in Australia. Isn't that cute? I think that's cute. No worries. No worries, mate. I really appreciate Pastor Frank's sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. Isaiah 59 says, When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord raises up a standard against him. Something happened in Pastor Frank's spirit, and he got this no series. Remember, he said, this is a series with attitude. This is a series with attitude, saying no to the devil. You know, Jesus had attitude. Lots of times you think of Jesus, he's a savior, he's a shepherd, he's a good shepherd, he's a kind, gentle shepherd. Well, he's kind and, and gentle to the sheep, but not to the wolves and the bears. He says, for this reason, the Son of God, Jesus, was made manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. There's some attitude. He went down and took the keys of death and hell and made an open display of all principalities and powers. That's some attitude. He passed off some attitudes to his 12 disciples and his 70s. Remember what he said? I'm giving you authority and power over unclean spirits, all kinds of sicknesses, and all kinds of diseases. There's some attitude. He said, you go preach. The kingdom of God is here. Wow. It's not past enough. It's here. And by the way, we're penetrating darkness. That's an attitude. He said, not only the kingdom of God is at hand, it's right here. It actually said, the kingdom of God is in your hands. He said, go heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you receive, freely you give. There's some attitude. He said, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. And you can loose and bind. And the gates of hell will not prevail against you. There's some attitude. The gates are defensive. We're on the offense. Everybody say offense. Come on, we have a defense, but particularly we're on the offense. There's some attitude. This is a series about attitude. To stir ourselves up and realize who we are in Christ with some attitude. Jesus said, hey, go wait for the endowment of power. Think about that. Cowards and failures. 120 cowards and failures went into the upper room. They got baptized and, and, and with power of the Holy Spirit. They came out. In a few years, they were accused of turning the world upside down. There's some attitude. Come on. Paul said, I come not word only. I come in demonstrations of power in the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 6, I'm giving you the full armor of God. 
Second Corinthians, I'm giving you weapons of warfare. Man, it's, it, it, there's an attitude. Greater is he who's in us and he's in the world. It's an attitude. An attitude of faith. The foundation scripture Pastor Frank used, of course, was Ephesians 4, 27. We have it. Be not angry and do not sin. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Give no place to the devil. That's interesting. Don't even go to sleep before you clear up anything between you and the Lord or you and someone else. There's, there's an there's a interesting concept right there. Come on. What would happen if our life if we took that truth? Come on. Don't even let the sun go down on any kind of misalignment with the Lord or somebody else. And of course, that's talking about anger and unforgiveness, but it would go down to everything. How about worry? Don't let worry and fear go down in your life in such a way that you don't get rid of it before you go to bed. Now, that's a challenge, and it's kind of hard. We're going to talk about that. I'm going to give you some weapons, I think, that will help you do that because it is a war. Give no opportunity. to Don't give him any chance. Don't give the enemy a foothold in your life. Don't give the devil any way to defeat you. Give him no legal ground to get in there, squat in your life, in your mind, in any area of your life. Give him no ground. Remember as PowerPoints from Pastor Frank last week. No, a word expresses definite choice made, emphatic, a sense of drawing a line, taking a position of no, in no way, absolutely not, no means. Saying no to the enemy. Give no room for the enemy to occupy, to find place, have influence, no possibility or gaining of advantage, no open space. Everybody shout no. Everybody stand up with your Bible. Come on, we got to get our Bible and stand up. Pastor Frank will be asking me. And let's put up our no prayer. And let's get a little attitude going. Let's get a little attitude right now that we have a responsibility to bring the kingdom of God in our own life and everywhere around. And we're well able to do it. Come on, let's read this together. Ready? Today, in Jesus' name, I take my position of faith and stand my ground. I make a choice to resist the enemy with a definite no to his invasion into my spirit, soul, body. I draw a line to give him no more opportunity to take an advantage. Come on. No room, no opportunity. Come on. In my relationships, in my health, in my finance, in my ministry, in my family. No. Remember what we did. How many were here? Get your Bible up. We're going to draw a line. A prophetic act. We're drawing a line as individuals. We're drawing a line as a church family to say no to worry. No to the enemy. Give him any place, especially in worry. We're going to attack worry. We're going to take worry head on this morning. All right? Ready? I want you to say, big loud right. Drawing the line. Ready? One, two, three. I'm drawing the line and saying no. Now stir yourself. Get a little meaner face. You know, a little attitude. Right? <laughs> Ready? Come on now. Ready? I'm drawing a line and saying no. No room for the devil and no room for worry in Jesus' name. Give somebody a Bible 5 and sit down. Come on. No room. It's an attitude. It's a spirit. It's spirit and truth. We're going to preach some truth, but it's also a spirit. Put up the little frog guy. I like the frog guy. No way. Come on now. And see, worry, worry is trying to swallow you. You just grab it by the throat and choke it until it spits you out. Come on. Get your hand out there and just grab worry and say, I'm going to choke you out. You're not going to swallow up my life, cripple my life, make me unhappy and irritable. 
I'm choking out worry. Amen. I got an attitude. Let's just talk about worry. It's good. Come on. Let's talk about worry because it's a big, big enemy. That's a big enemy. Definition. Greek word means to take thought, especially in a negative, fearful, worried, confused way. Take thought. To be troubled, distracted. The uh, original English word comes out of a, a really scary word. It's strangle. It's the idea of a wolf getting a sheep by the throat. How many of you worry can kind of do that? It gets a hold and it just kind of works in there until it just chokes you off. You can't think right. You can't feel right. You can't talk right. We've all had this enemy fight in our life. means to harass by treatment or attack in your mind or emotions. To bother, to distress. An uneasy feeling, concerned about something or someone. A persistent, mental, emotional, uneasy, a nagging concern like a cloud over you that you can't shake. You sow worry and you reap what? You reap all kinds of bad things. If you sow enough worry, you get a fear stronghold that will actually cripple and maybe destroy your life. Too much worry, you get discouraged, you get in depression, you withdraw, you get isolated, you get afraid and coward to act, you hesitate. You get angry, grumpy, and irritable. Amen? When you're worried, how many of you notice that? Maybe nobody in this room, but I've noticed that happen. You become unbelieving, double-minded, you make poor decisions. Spiritual decay kind of sets in. You have relational breakdowns because you're not communicating right, because you're worried, you're not thinking, feeling right. You get a defeated negative attitude. Emotional and physical problems even come into your life because of worry. It's dangerous. Worry can cause digestive problems, ulcers, insomnia, heart disease, cancer, migraines, even diabetes. The Mayo Clinic, how many of you heard of the Mayo Clinic? Very famous medical in the United States. This is a Mayo Clinic. Actually estimates that more than 80% of its total caseload is directly related to worry. Because it throws off the chemical balance in your body. And then it starts affecting organs and other things. Worry is dangerous. There's research, and, they, and research, a lot of research on what do we worry about. Here, this is very interesting. 40% of what you worry about will never happen. 30% has already happened, and you can't do too much about that. 12% is about criticism of others and what they say about you, which is mostly, mostly not true. 10% is about your health which only gets worse if you worry about it, right? 8% could be real problems, but worrying won't help solve those problems. Worry is like a rocking chair. You go back and forth, but you don't move, right? It is. I mean, it's a dangerous thing. And, and, and the negative media, oh my goodness. I mean, if you spend too much in time in the media and that negative, fearful media, duh, you're going to be negative and fearful. You've got to watch your appetite there. I don't know. I, I, I have to fight. I have to fight wor- worry. Just like you. I mean, while well, you're a big executive pastor, you don't worry. Oh, yeah, I have to fight just like you. I worry about finances. I do. I have to fight that off. I have to worry about present and future retirement finance. I, I, I have a tendency. I've worried about my children. Any parents ever worried about your children? Especially when they're teenagers. Oh, God, help us. Worry about your help, you get a pain, you get a worry about your relationships, are they going right? Worry about ministry, worry about life after death, we worry about all kinds, failing, failing your family, failing to test. I mean, worry's there, I mean, it's a real enemy. And we've got to face it head on and say, no, to worry. Now, I summarize my struggle with worry with a very simple concept. I call it the battle for my mind. But your, your mind can only hold one thought at a time. I, I call it the battle 
for the mind. And Pastor Frank talked about this. He's talked about our three big enemies. Remember? The world, the flesh, and the devil. They're your three big... The world system trying to get you to line up and change your mind to live under its system. Your flesh, you're, you're, you're born again and you're going to heaven. But how many of you know you still have to get that carnality out of you every day and be in the spirit? It's a wrestling match with your own flesh. And then the Bible says we war not just against flesh and blood. There is demonic powers designed to find gaps and cracks in your life and get in there and wreck your life. Jesus said the thief came to kill, steal, and destroy. The world, flesh, and devil come to kill, steal, and destroy your righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And they're pretty good at it. How many have noticed? Now, the good news is we have allies to help us with the battle of the mind. And the allies are huge. And if you come and use your allies, you can win the battle for the mind. Now, when you're born again, everybody say potential. See, when you're born again, you have the potential to resist the world, flesh, and the devil. Because you have Christ in you. You have the potential to resist less of the flesh, less of the eyes, and pride of life. You have the potential. But you have to use your potential. What are the big three? What are your allies? The Word, the Holy Spirit, and the body of Christ. They're always the big three. The threefold cord is not quickly broken. As you live in the word, live in the spirit, live in the body of Christ, you can win the battle for the mind. But it is a battle. The battle is described this way in Romans 8. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is in conflict against God. For it is not subject to law God, nor can it be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. The New Testament is very clear about this battle and it gives many terms. Let's look at the terms that they give. You can have a transformed mind or a conformed mind. You can have an in the spirit mind or in the flesh mind. You can have a supernatural mindset and moving or just a natural mindset. You can have your focus in heavily invisible rewards for eternity or earthly visible ones that are decay and go away. You can have the new man thinking or you can have the old man thinking. You can have the Holy Spirit man thinking or the human man spirit. It is a battle for your mind. I like to simply call right thinking, wrong thinking. I like things simple. I like things simple. And clear. Everybody say right thinking. Wrong thinking. So you can have peaceful thinking or worried thinking. You can have forgiving thinking or unforgiving. Positive or negative. Humble. Proud. Thankful. Unthankful. You can go down that list, 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 list. It is a battle for your mind. Now, there are some very famous scriptures. 2 Corinthians 10 is a very, very famous scripture about the battle for the mind. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Come on, Christ in me, the hope of glory. For the weapons of our warfare, it is a warfare. Sure, the Christian life's a continual progressive love affair with God, with Christ in you, with your family, church family, natural family, even a love affair with the lost. But it's also a continual progressive warfare. Come on, against the world, flesh, and the devil. Until new heavens, it is a warfare. Are not carnal, but they are mighty. They are supernatural in pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Everybody say, every thought. Very interesting. Every thought. 
It's a war. It's a battle for your mind. It's a battle for abundant life on earth, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. But it's more than that. It's a battle for eternal life for yourself and everyone around you. It's a war. You have to have an attitude. Every thought. Every thought. Every thought is a seed. Seed power. There's unlimited mind-boggling potential in a seed. Think about that. Little old brown seed. Unlimited mind-boggling potential in a good seed and also in a bad seed. Now the reason this is so important, you've got to get every thought captive because it can grow for good or bad. Let's have our progression. You sow a thought, you reap a word. You sow words, you reap actions. You sow an action, you reap a habit. You sow some habits, you reap a character. You sow a character and you reap a destiny. It all started, everybody say, a thought. Let's just take a good thought quickly. How about tithing? It's a, it's a good thought and it's a challenging thought to the natural mind. It sounds stupid. to a nat- I'm going to give 10% and get more. Mm. A natural mind doesn't get it. They can't get it. But first time you hear that, every, everyone in this room at one time heard, maybe you're hearing it for the first time today. You hear that. You hear that thought. You're reading the Bible. Somebody preaches. You're talking to somebody. It goes into, hmm, I wonder if that's true. And so you start thinking about that. So you start talking about it. You say, uh, uh, James Wink, uh, I've been thinking about tithing. Uh, have you tried it? And he said, yeah, I tried it. It really works. And I said, well, really? It works? And yeah, I, I, I seen my family's good, healthy, happy. My money's good. I'm paying my bills. Actually, I'm, I'm making more money than ever. Even though you give money? Well, yeah. And so I think about it. I said, I, I'll try it. You know, and you write that first tithe check. Brings you into action. And you sell that first tithe check. And you feel good about it. And you pay your bills. And a couple months you get a raise. And you think, well, maybe it has something to do with tithing. Maybe the Bible's right. And, and all of a sudden, everybody say, habit. It starts being a habit. You get your first check, you write it to the Lord. And all of a sudden, that becomes a habit. And all of a sudden, that becomes a character. And you're known as a generous man. You're known as a blessed man. You're known as a man who has more than enough and helping people all the time. And you have a destiny of laying up treasures on earth and in heaven. It all started with a thought. Same way in a negative sense. One of the biggest plights in our nation right now, and I won't get graphic, but it's pornography. And so somebody, you hear this, oh man, you can go on this website and you hear that at work and it rattles around your mind. And then you ask them, where was that? And it rattles around. And then that one night and yourself in your room, you click on there and you go into action, you get in there. And if you don't win the battle for the mind and you start going in there and that locks into you and it becomes a habit, then it turns into a character of immorality. And it gets to a place of destiny where you destroy your life, your finance, your family, your, your reputation for a picture on a screen. It all started with a thought. Every thought captive. Well, a little happier picture maybe of the battle for the mind is Romans 12, 2. Let's read this one together. Ready? And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Do not be conformed means squeezed into the mold, the same pattern. Do not be conformed. Do not be squeezed into the world, flesh, and devil. Do not be squeezed into wrong thinking, wrong talking, wrong living. Don't be squeezed. Resist it. Everybody shout no. No, I won't be conformed. Instead, be transformed. 
where we get the word metamorphosis, where the caterpillar worm turns into a butterfly, change into something completely different. Okay, how does that happen? Here it is. By the renewing of the mind or the renovation of the mind, which means to complete, complete change for the better. Wow. And then you prove righteousness, peace, and joy, eternal life, abundant life, when you do that, win that battle for the mind. So I summarize it in this way. I look at it. I can have worldly, worry, worm thinking. Talking, living. Or I can have transformed, renewed, butterfly thinking. Worry worms. Ugly, worldly, earthly, crawly, little worm. Ask your neighbor, do you have worms in your head? I mean, do you have worms in your head? Do you have that? Do you have worms in there? Do you allow these wormy thoughts get in there to be conformed to worry? The worry worm sneaking in there and goofing up the way you think and feel and talk. Or are you being transformed by what? The big three. Living in the word, living in the spirit, living in the body of Christ. You're being transformed daily. And what? You have a transform. You have butterfly thinking. I always think, am I thinking worms or butterfly? You know, spiritual heavenly flying. Wow. They that wait upon the Lord shall exchange their strength, exchange their mind. They will mount up with wings as eagles to another perspective, a faith perspective, a peace, not a worry. Then they'll run and not be weary and walk and not faint. Okay, I'm going to give you, in the next few minutes, I'm going to give you very practical, practical weapons. We need weapons to win the battle. These work for me. I'm telling you the ones that have worked for me for many, many, many years. They're very simple. I'm going to give you seven weapons. And I'm going to impart them. And you can study them. You can think about it. I hope you apply them. And if you do, you'll win the battle for the mind. Here they are. You ready? The first one. Everyone say daily. There's something about daily. You've got to be after it daily. Every thought daily. Jesus said this at the end of the passage about not worrying. He says, don't worry about eating. Don't worry about drinking. Don't worry about clothes. Come on. Heavenly Father's got your back. He's got your side. He's got your front. He's got you all over. He loves you. Jesus taught to grow in your faith, trusting him day by day. Jesus said, don't focus on the past or the future. Focus on the present. This is, here's what he said. He said, give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. Don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when they come up. Trust him. He's a, he's a reward of those who diligently seek him. You seek him. He said he'll take care of you. I think of it as driving a car just quickly. When you're driving a car, if you spend too much time in the rearview mirror, you get in a wreck. Isn't that right? If you spend too much time looking way ahead, you get in a wreck. Your main attention has to be around you immediately. Now, you glance in the rearview mirror, and we do it the past. We learn from the past by glancing at it, not living at it. We glance, we glance way out to get goals and vision, but we don't live there. Jesus said, live one day at a time. Everybody say daily. The first weapon is you've got to learn to live daily and not get ahead of yourself. Too many Christians crucify themselves between two thieves. Regrets from the past and worries of the future. Come on, not in your mind, not in my mind. We're not going to get trapped by two thieves. No, no, no. We're going to live in the presence and the goodness of God in a balanced life. Glancing in the past, glancing forward, but living in the present, just like Jesus said. Philippians 4. You might want to turn to Philippians 4. I'm going to walk through Philippians 4 here in the next few minutes. I'm going to walk through Philippians 4, 4 through 9. Very famous scripture about peace of mind and winning the battle for the mind. 
There's six weapons in here. I guarantee you, if you learn to use these weapons, you will win the battle for the mind and you will be able to say no to worry and live in pace and live in faith and live in joy. Philippians 4, here's what it says. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are a good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things that you have learned and received and saw in me, these do, then the God of peace will be with you. Six things. Singing with rejoicing, praying with thanksgiving, guarding with alertness, meditating and confessing, partnering with other warriors, hearing and doing. Let's just walk through these quickly. Singing and rejoicing. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. This is one of your most effective weapons to defeat worry and torment is singing. He inhabits the praise of his people. There's something supernatural about it. Look at the Old Testament. Look at your own life. When you come into a worship service, whether it's in your car, in your shower, at your work, in your house, when you're singing, when you're rejoicing, your mind can only hold one thought. When you're singing the praise of God, when you're reflecting on God, something happens in your mind, something happens in your emotion, something happens in the unseen world that clears out that cloud. How many could say you feel different after the worship service this morning? Of course, it works if you work it. We come in here, we worship with all our heart. You could have worry worms in your mind. You could be discouraged, whatever. You get in the presence, something shifts. And you start transforming in your mind. And you start getting hopeful thoughts and peaceful thoughts, forgiving thoughts and wise ideas. And all of a sudden, you've got a butterfly and you're looking beautiful and you're flying. It happens in a worship service. Ephesians 5, it talks about being filled continually with the Spirit. It goes on and says... Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourself in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, and giving thanks for all things. Wow. Thank God for technology. How many have something you can listen to in the car, at work, at home? iPods in your ears. Come on, there's no excuse. We should be in the praise. David said this, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Come on, he knew that weapon. He's a man after God's own heart. He's a mighty victor because he knew that. Second, praying with thanksgiving. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. Living Bible says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Wow. Sharing your heart, those two words in the Greek prayer there means opening your heart. It's expressing your heart in a general way of sharing your heart with God. Supplication is a little more warfare thing to avert evils, specific needs for self or others. So you got the idea of love and war in that passage there. Casting all your worries upon him for he cares for you. As you cast them, then he cares for you. You prime the pump, you start it. Nothing's too great for God's power and nothing's too small for his heavenly father care. Praying always in the spirit. With thanksgiving, thanksgiving is very important. Thanksgiving keeps you in right perspective. Thanksgiving keeps you thinking right, talking right, living right. Thanksgiving's huge. Romans chapter 1, talking about the unbelieving generation, just says they were not thankful. They knew there was God, but they were not thankful. When you're not being thankful, you're sliding into unbelief. You're sliding into ungodly, wormy thinking. 
And it happens to all of us. The devil's really good at getting you to focus on what you don't have instead of what you do have. How many of you notice that? And pretty soon you get focused on what you don't have instead of do, and then you get grumpy, you get unthankful, and and you just get out of the spirit and you get in the flesh. We got to contend for this. We got to contend for thankful spirit and work at it. Renew our mind. I, I, I got these. I want to read through these quickly and plant the seed about gratefulness in your heart. Things to ponder. Just look at these. If you woke up this morning with more health and illness, you are more blessed than a million who will not survive this week. If you've never experienced the danger of battle, the loneliness of imprisonment, the agony of torture or pangs of starvation, you're ahead of about 500 million people in the world. If you can attend a church meeting without fear of harassment, arrest, torture, or death, you are more blessed than 3 billion people in the world. Let's be a little more grateful. The United States of America is not perfect, but I'm glad I live here in the grace of God. If you have food in a refrigerator, clothes on your back, a roof over your head, a place to sleep, you're richer than 75% of the world. Wow. If you have money in the bank, in your wallet, spare change in a dish someplace, you're among the top 8% of the world's wealthiest people. See, we compare ourselves amongst ourselves here in the United States. We forget there's a whole world. If you can read this message, you are more blessed than over 2 billion people in the world who cannot read at all. And we got worrying about the gas pump and worried about this and that. And we don't stop and think. Most of the people in this room are the top 5% in the world. You have cars, you've got a savings account, you've got uh, 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 TSAs. You've got so many clothes in your closet, you can't even find room for new ones until you throw away old ones. 75% of people are trying to eat once a day. We're trying not to eat. I mean, really. Come on now. Come on. Let's be thankful about the abundance. It's not a perfect country, but it's a good. Come on, yeah. How many of you have any college education? How many of you have a computer in your house or office somewhere? You're all top 1% of the world. You know, I get frustrated myself when I get crabby and feel I don't have enough. And I'm looking what I don't have. I said, what is wrong with me? Do I have to be the top 3% in the world before I'm happy? Come on. That's wormy thinking. Come on. Lord, forgive us for being so short-sighted and ungrateful. We pray right now you just keep us alert and thankful for all your blessing, naturally and spiritually in the promise. Everybody said, Amen. Next one, guarding with alertness and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Boy, I think about supernatural peace. How about the three Hebrew boys who are ready to walk into the fire? There's some serious faith and peace. Say, I don't know if God's going to deliver us or not. doesn't really matter. If he doesn't, we're going to heaven. If he does, it's a miracle. We're going in. That's some supernatural peace. Come on, if you're rejoicing and singing, if you're praying with thanksgiving, it sets you to have a supernatural peace beyond logic. Wow. Losing your peace to me is like the red light on your dashboard of your car blinking. How many have red light? If you know that, it means you've got a problem. And if you don't take care of that problem, that problem is going to get bigger. Anytime you lose your peace, you can't ignore that. You've got to deal with it. Gotta, why am I losing my peace? Anytime you see a family or friend losing peace, you say, hey, what's happening? You're losing your peace. How many of you know a friend and you can tell immediately on their face if they're losing their peace? Come on, a face is just like that red light. Or their words, you can tell. Or even the way they walk. It's like a blink. And when you see that, come on, let's have an attitude. Say, no! Come on, we're going to take that thought captive. What's got you out of peace? Let's fix that. Come on, it's being guarded with alertness. Being alert. Be sober, be vigilant. The adversaries, resist him steadfast. Put on the whole armor of God, because he's out there. Come on, resist him, he will flee. Give no place to the devil. Alertness. 
Meditating and confessing. Come on, we've got to have the word of God in us and through us. It's huge. We've got to think about the good things. Your mind focusing on God. You will give him perfect peace whose mind stayed on you. Isaiah 26, perfect peace. If it stayed. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Your mind, acknowledge him in every circumstance. Good, bad, and ugly. Doesn't matter. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways. And then he'll direct your path. Where does it start? Acknowledging him no matter what. That's where the peace comes from. Your mind studying the word of God. Come on. 2 Timothy 2. Rightly dividing the word of truth in your mind. Your mind thinking on all the good things. Any good things. There's so many good things. I just gave you a bunch of natural good things. But how about all the spiritual good things? David said, bless the Lord and forget not all of his benefits. He's got so many benefits. How about this? God loves me. Everybody say past, present, and future. Now that's a, that's a, that's a big idea. For God so loved love, he gave his only begotten son. If God be for me, who can be against me? He gave his only begotten son. How much more would he give things freely to me? Come on. Past, present. How about this one? God forgives me. Hey, past, present, future. Aren't you grateful? He's able to save to the uttermost once and for all. Wow. You confess your sins. He's faithful to forgive your sins. Wow. He forgives me, past, present, future. How about this? He's preparing a place in heaven for me right now. Now your neighbor says, he's preparing a mansion for you. Come on. It's true. Confess it. Believe it. Confess it. That gives you some peace of mind right there. To the natural man, the worst thing in the world is you die. To the spiritual man, that might be the best thing. Come on. Everybody say divine reversal. You don't die, you live forever. Come on. You've got to renew your mind. You've got to get this thing lined up. What's life really about? Wow. And of course, as we read even in the offering, he's promised he'll provide food and shelter and stuff. You do it his way. You'll never see the righteous begging bread. Now you've got to confess these things. The power of life and death are in the tongue. You've got to confess it. Believe in heart and you confess with your mouth. You've got to meditate. You gotta... This is real important. Partnering with other warriors. This is huge. The things which you have learned, received, heard, and saw in me. Wow. Two agrees touching anything, it shall be done. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. I think of Daniel. He purposed in his heart not to defile himself. He got three guys to come with him. They got in unity. They got in partnership. It was like four-wheel drive. And they went through Babylonian culture and went right to the top. How did they do that? Partnering. Partnering. That's why we talk about being in small groups and being Bible studies and having prayer part. You cannot be successful. You can't win the battle for the mind without help. Look at your neighbor and say, I need your help. Come on, I need your help. Every joint supplies and every member does it. It's a big thing. It's a big idea and you've got to get it. James 5, very important. Confess your trespasses, faults to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah, a man with a nature just like ours, prayed earnestly it would not rain, did not rain on land for three and a half years, prayed again and it rained. Boy, now there's some big ideas. When that red light comes on, you're losing your peace, here's it. Go tell somebody. Say, I'm losing my peace. You need to pray. You need to reunite. You need to help me. Now look at this is a mind-boggling scripture to me. Look, everybody say potential. He says in context of praying and helping each other, especially let's just see on worry. That you have as much potential as Elijah. How many walk up this morning and say, I feel just like Elijah. You know, you, you don't feel like that. Potentially, in this context, you have as much power and authority as Elijah. Wow. It works if you use it. 
If you humble yourself and ask for prayer and you get prayer, come on, I don't care how stuck you are in any area, especially in this warrior, it can be broken. Last one, hearing and doing. Verse 9, these do and the peace of God will be with you. These don't do and the peace won't be. Duh. It's not rocket science. You reap what you sow. Be hearers and doers of the word. John 13. If you know things, say happy, blessed are you if you do them. When I study, I, I got to, it said, you can't wring your hands and roll up your sleeve at the same time. I thought that was cute. You can't wring your hands in worry and roll up your sleeves and go to work. Or I would like to say go to war. Everybody stand up. We're going to roll up our sleeves. Come on, let's, let's get a little attitude. This is very practical. These weapons work if you work them. Now listen, some of these might be a little new to you. How many of you know? It takes a while to learn how to use a sword. It takes a little while how to use a bow and arrow, a rifle gun. You've got to work these things until you get good at it. But I guarantee you, if you work them, they will work. They will work. Now, I, I felt at the end, I felt a great faith. I, I felt God wanted to break something. Over everyone's life. Everybody has some measure of uh, warfare in the mind and worrying. Some of you might be doing pretty good, low level. Some in the medium. Some are really stuck. And I believe, the Lord spoke to me. uh, Isaiah 10 says, the anointing breaks the yoke. The anointing of the Holy Spirit. The word. Come on. The Holy Spirit, the body of Christ. They're all right here. And it can break the yoke. I don't care how long term you are in some kind of worry and some kind of fear in any area of your life. It can be broken in a moment. In one moment. I think of Paul and Silas. Remember Paul and Silas? They were thrown in the inner prison. And they were shackled. How many think that's something to worry about? Did they worry? Did they get wormy, worried thinking? No, 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 no. What did they do? They began to pray and sing. And they started praying and singing. And something started coming into their faith. And their mind got renewed. And they're thinking of the good things of God, past, present, and future. And you know who else was hearing? God and the angel of heaven. Something happened in heaven. Come on. We war not against flesh and blood, principalities and powers in an unseen world. It's both. They started thinking something shifted in heaven. And all of a sudden there was an earthquake and the doors flew open and the chains fell off and they walked out. How about you today? 